The Old Testament reading is taken from Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 25. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let us separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night, and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth, across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures, and every living creature that moves, with which the waters swarm, according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, 
Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Well, good afternoon, folks. Wasn't that stunning? We're in this, the second uh, week of our series in uh, the book of Genesis. And we saw last week that in one sense, uh, Genesis chapter 1 is kind of frustrating because it doesn't answer the questions that we might want it to uh, answer. But what Genesis 1 is there to do in the Bible, this is its purpose, get this, it is to make sure, it is to persuade us never to swap this God, the God of creation, for any other God. So a slightly random question to start with. Have you ever had pudding envy? Maybe you're at a restaurant and um, you thought it'd be a good idea to choose the sticky toffee pudding. And then whoever you're with, the, their banoffee pie comes. And it's massive. And it looks lush. And, and, you, and you just start to get a bit nervous at that point, don't you? Oh no, I've made a mistake. And sure enough, when yours comes, it's just this little piddly mouthful of a thing. And, and every ounce of your being at that point just, just wants to go, can we swap? <laughs> you know, can, can, can we at least share? You, let's go half us. Ever done that? I know I have. And folks, this is why Genesis chapter one was written. To make sure that we never have, not pudding envy, but to make sure that we don't have God envy. <laughs> because the context, it's believed Moses wrote this book was in in between leading God's people out of slavery in Egypt with all of the false gods that were there, towards the promised land in Canaan, with all of the idolatry that was going on there. So the temptation to God envy, it lay literally behind and before them. And it does so for us too. Because if you're a Christian, you're probably tempted to look at other people and their lives sometimes and, and think that, the, 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 how they're getting on, it seems much more exciting than how things are for you. And what they live their lives for, what they worship, seems to be a bit more powerful and reasonable in our culture than, than our God and his ways. In fact, you know, when we think about him, compared to the world around us, he looks a little bit, well, a little unimpressive. He looks like just this little thing on the margins. And so we have God envy. However subtle the pool is on us, we're tempted to think, perhaps I should just swap my God for that. Look at what it says later on in the Bible. In that reading, Leslie Ann brought us from Romans chapter one. It says, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. You see? It's God envy, isn't it? Rather than worshipping the God who created us, instead we worship other things. 
That's what we do, don't we? We get more excited about people and their thoughts and their ideas, our ideas, than the creator himself. And so God, as he starts out on his great account of the Bible, this love letter to humanity, he says, don't miss who I am. Please see who I really am. Genesis 1 invites us, as, as that video just said, to look at the brushstrokes of creation in order to see something of God's extravagant character. And in his creating and his designing and his sustaining, we're going to come face to face here with a God of power, order, and beauty. So come on, join with, with me for this journey through this incredible chapter Let's enjoy meeting our maker in his creation together as we look at, firstly, power. The raw power of God that shatters the darkness. In the beginning, we read, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. Can you sense the anticipation? Do you get a little tingle? It's all about to kick off. And sure enough, in verse three, God provides the spark. And God said, let there be light. There's something magnificent in the simplicity of God's power. The darkness which was everywhere is immediately destroyed by the, the onrushing light as God speaks. God's words are nothing like my words or your words, are they? I mean, someone's power is seen how, in how effective their words are. We know this, don't we? So let's just uh, imagine a trainee teacher um, in a secondary school. It's year eight maths, and the kids are coming back in uh, from break time, and the noise levels are getting a bit rowdy, and things are being tossed around a bit, and so the teacher tries to step in. Quiet, settle down. What happens next? That word does not still the storm. <laughs> Quiet, settle down, now! now! Granted, there are some trainee teachers who have real authority, real gravitas, but I was one once, and I know uh, that kids spot you, they sniff you from a mile off, and they always try and make the most of it. But then the head walks in. What is going on here? Sit down, now! Silence. The only sound, actually, is the sound of bottoms hitting seats. Someone's power is demonstrating the effectiveness of their words. And here is God. Here's how powerful his word is. God is able to speak and light comes into being. I can't imagine what that was like. Can you? There's darkness just everywhere. Utter blackness. And then bang. In comes the light. That's the power of God's word. And that is the direction of travel all the way through this chapter. From darkness to light. We see it time and time again. It's, it's woven into each day of creation, like in day five. God called the, uh, sorry, not day five, verse five. Although it happens in day five too. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Hold on, does that, does that sound right to you? 
That sounds the wrong way around, doesn't it? There's evening and then morning. I mean, we, we think it should say there was morning and then there was evening, the first day, don't we? Because that's how it kind of rolls for us. We go, all right, it's getting towards the end of the day. I'll head to bed. It's evening. But what's the direction of travel here? You move from darkness and decay to light and life. Every step of the way, every day. And so, so that's, the, that's the way it is in every day of creation. It's the same. God sets up this pattern that darkness is followed by light. So that every day the world turns, every day the sun rises, every night that breaks forth into glorious new morning, it's a reminder to us that our God is a God who brings light into darkness by his word. Folks, there's so much in our world that is dark, is it not? I see darkness all over the place. I see darkness in my own heart. I see darkness in the lives of my family and friends. I see, see it in your lives so often too. There's so much darkness in the sorrow and the weeping of this world. But the message of Genesis 1 in fact, when you think about it, the message of the whole Bible is that darkness does not win. It will not win. It cannot win. Because God said, let there be light. And there was light. And that's why it would be crazy to swap this God for any other God. Yeah, that's the danger for us, isn't it? The danger is that our response to the darkness and the sorrow and the pain and the suffering and the death that we see all around us is to look to other lights, to look to created lights for comfort and reassurance and understanding and hope rather than to the light creator. I'm sure you folks are way too sophisticated to... uh, know the words to That's What Makes You Beautiful by One Direction. But I'm sure many of you remember the song. There's a line in that song where the 1D boys, they sing, baby, you light up my world like nobody else. And folks, I think that's what we're like as human beings. We look to other things, other people, relationships, careers, hobbies, our leisure time, Netflix, Uh, The pubs and shops opening up again. An end to coronavirus restrictions. Uh, And we say, that is what lights up my life. That is what gives me light in my darkness. If only I could have it. But to live like that is to swap the God who said, let there be light. The God who stepped in flesh into our sin-stained world and declared, I and the light of the world. The God who three days after the devastating darkness of the cross <laughs> brought forth new resurrection life through the dawning of Easter day. And the God who therefore has promised one day in the future to take us home to be with him where night will be no more and we will need no light of lamp or sun for he will be our light. To live the way we do is to swap him, to swap that God for lesser lights. 
So let me ask you this afternoon. Who or what would you say lights up your life? When you think about God, can you say, you're the light of my life. In my darkness, I run to you. You're my first port of call. You light up my world like nobody else. Folks, let's take a little moment to pray this through. That's what we're going to do now through our next song. Let's, uh, let's ask God to come and to work in power in our lives and in our world. We're going to do that in this song and then come back for points two and three. Please take a seat, folks. We've seen the power of God, and now we turn, secondly, to his sense of order. Because God, he doesn't just create randomly, does he? He, he, he takes what is formless in verse 2, and he gives it form and shape. This is the technical bit, right? So stick with me here. Because on days one to three, God creates habitable spaces. And then on days four to six, he fills up those created spaces. So day one, in verse four, he separates the light from the darkness. He makes night and day. And then on day four, he makes the sun and the moon and the stars to govern the night and day. On day two, in verse six, he separates the sea from the clouds. And then on day five, he makes fish and birds to fill the sea and the sky. Again, day three, he he makes the land, he separates it out from the waters. And, And then on day six, he makes the animals and then ultimately us to populate it. Do you see? There is a correlation. There is an order to what he's doing. It's it's not random. He's not going, ah, oh, okay, um, let's see where we should start. Let's have a giraffe, I know. Oh, and then let's um, throw a star up there. Yeah, okay, we'll have a wee lake down here. Oh, gosh, where's that giraffe got to? Oh, help, uh, we better make Africa. No, this is beautiful pattern. There is a designer at work here. Now, Mary Poppins, I'm sure lots of you have seen Mary Poppins. What does she do? She just clicks her fingers and everything gets tidied up, doesn't it? but that's not real. I know. I've tried. (laughs) But God speaks here. He speaks and everything gets ordered into its place. That is real. And that means the order is good. It's a good thing. It means administration is a good thing. It's why in the New Testament we get there, it's one of the gifts of the Spirit. It's why, at least I think, it was a good idea of me spending a bit of time ordering my thoughts and writing them down rather than just speaking off the cuff, cuff to you this afternoon. Nobody wants that. We'll be here all afternoon. It's also why government is good. And it's why we long for good, effective, just and fair government. And it, it breaks our heart and we get frustrated when it isn't there. We long to be well-led. I mean, why does God create the sun and moon and stars? Uh, Not just to give light, but did you notice in verses 16 to 18, it was to govern, to rule over the day and over the night. The sun, moon, and stars, they bring order to our calendar. Uh, God gave them to you and I so that we could tell the time, to mark out the, the rhythms 
the seasons of our lives in days and months and years. God sets up order within his creation and it's order to be submitted to, order to be delighted in, not fought against. And yet, oh, so often we do, don't we? We fight against the order. We want to rule. We want to be the ones in charge. We want to be the ones who establish our own order. Uh, and we put things straight in our own way, not trusting God's word. But God is the great orderer. You can't put things straight without crying out to him and listening to him and his powerful word and trusting him. Therefore, if you feel like your life or the life, life of this country or, or, or your home country, if you feel like life in this world is chaotic and disordered, might I humbly suggest that you are not the one to fix that? You're not the one to click your fingers and hope that everything just gets tidied up and falls into place. No, actually what we need, what the world needs is God who spoke order into his creation in the first place. So perhaps this afternoon we might want to confess our vanity and, and say to the Lord, oh, Father God, I'm sorry that I've been so proud that I've tried to sort out myself, my problems, my family, the chaos of my world. I've tried to sort it all out in my own strength. Please forgive me. And look to Jesus. He died so that we could be forgiven. He died so that we could be brought back into the right place, into the right order, if you like, with God, with him as king and us as his creatures. And finally, let's come to beauty. There's beauty here, isn't there? The darkness is filled with light. The formlessness is filled with order. And the emptiness is filled with beauty. God is not boring. If you've got this view or if you're tempted to have a view of God as being a bit, a bit tedious and, and dull, a bit rubbish, then you've really missed the point. We saw just a brief snatch of, of, of that in this, that video we had earlier on. And throughout this section, we, we see it again here. Not just beauty, actually, of a wondrous creation, but incredible variety, too. I don't know if you've had the same experience that myself and my brother and sister had when we went to visit relatives when we were younger. And what would happen is, the adults would get their cup of tea and would be handed a glass of squash and then would be asked, would you like a biscuit? And at this point, depending on whose house you were in, you discovered there were two types of relative. The first type of relative would offer around a plate with about 20 digestives on it, which is fine if you like digestive biscuits. But the second type of relative you'd visit, they would bring out one of these incredible, you know, variety boxes of, of biscuits with all kinds of different uh, biscuits in it. Every type, it blew your mind. And in fact, there was one relative we had who would also bring out plates after plate of Mr. Kipling French fancies and apple pies and angel cake slices. And, and we'd be like, yes, you're our type of relative. Mum, Dad, can we come here more often? And that is what God is like here in Genesis 1. 
God doesn't just make one type of tree, do you notice? He makes a whole variety box full of them. All sorts of trees according to their various kind. Verse 12. There's vegetation, there's fruit. It's so good. Do you see that the the seas are, are teeming with life? I love that word, teeming with life. In verse 20. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth. God doesn't say, fine, we'll have a fish. No, have 10. There you go. No, there's tons of them. And then we do a series on the BBC called The Blue Planet where they send down probe <laughs> into the deepest parts of the oceans where no one's ever been before. And they discover these new species right down there that have been there for thousands of years just swarming around, enjoying life and giving glory to God by their very being and no one even knew that they were there. Don't ever think that God is some kind of nasty, miserly God. He creates diversity and and beauty and variety in its abundance and then he gives it all to you. And God likewise fills the emptiness of the land. I I love this. Creating things with seeds in them. In verses 11 to 12. So that it will go on filling. Uh, So that it it won't stop being a place of fullness and life and beauty. Even beyond the fall. And so he tells the birds and the fish to be fruitful and multiply and fill too. And then he fills the land with creatures as well. And over and over we are told that God looked and God saw that it was good. And sadly, we have never seen what God saw when you think about it. Because a couple of chapters after this, the first human beings, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. A lie given to them by the serpent. And ever since then, We have lived in a world that is stained and corrupted by our sin. But if you've ever been to a zoo or an aquarium or you've had the privilege of going on safari or standing at the top of a mountaintop and taking in the views and just gasping in wonder, wow, then you have experienced a small sliver of what it must have been like for God to look on his creation and smile and say it's good it's so good and if that's true why would you want to swap that for anything else that's the big question Genesis 1 is asking us here I hope you've seen that have you exchanged this God for created things have you put aside His powerful word that brings light and order and beauty into being. Are you tempted to put your trust in human wisdom instead? All of the ideologies of our age which bombard us every day on our newsfeed and on social media. uh, Claiming that that we've got the solution. (laughs) Claiming to, to have found salvation. But often only seeming to stoke the chaos and soil the beauty and snuff out the light. This is what we do as humans when we move away from God. We are cursed without him. 
So folks, this afternoon, this day, every day, choose this one. Choose the one true God, the one who brings light to our darkness, who orders the chaos, who fills our emptiness and makes it beautiful. Choose the one ultimately revealed to us in Jesus. Choose the God of all the earth. And resist the temptations to turn from him. And make it your goal. With every ounce of your being. In every activity of each day. To worship him with all the great gifts that he has given you. Let me pray that we would do that. Let's pray before we listen to our final song. Oh, Father God, we thank you that you made the heavens and the earth. You made everything. It was formless, and you gave it order. You took what was dark, and you brought light. You took what was empty, and you brought fullness. Thank you that the darkness does not win. Thank you that the chaos does not win. Thank you that emptiness does not win. We thank you that Jesus, the light of the world, the one who gives fullness, life to all the full, he wins. And so, Father, we pray that you would help us to learn each day to worship you through him, that we would not exchange you for other gods, but we delight in you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.